Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Running Aces, Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, Learn Pro Poker, and Website Amp. I'm your host, Jim Reed, uh, at Jim in the forums and Bluffsterini in the home games. Come get some. And I'm joined by our wonderful panel, as always, to come here and talk some poker. Who else is with me today? I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 five five on Twitter and PokerStars. I'm John Somsky, and I'm PokerGeekMN everywhere. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 on Twitter and the PokerStars home game. This is Taylor Moss, uh, Gopher Boy TJM in the PokerStars home game, and also at Taylor underscore Moss on Twitter. So just like every week, uh, as we're playing in the Rec Poker nightly home game and trying to take everyone's chips away from each other, I mean, they're my chips, but we're trying to take them away from each other. Uh, we take one forum post from the Rec.Poker forums, and we talk about it. This week, we've got a post by Captain Walleye, one of the regulars, about huge ICM implications. And if I do my job right, you'll find a link to that forum post in the show notes, no promises. So here's the setup. It's an America's Card Room tournament and Captain Walleye is two out of 30. So it's right near the end. They're in the small blind with about 50 big blinds. To their left is the short stack with a little over eight big blinds, who seems to be very tight based on what we've seen with a VPIP of only 12 uh, with 51's 51 hands played against. The big stack has 115 big blinds, so almost three times uh, Captain Walleye's stack, and has been running over the final table. He's played in nearly every hand since reaching the, reaching the final table. He's knocked out four out of the last five, sometimes getting it in, sometimes sucking up, sucking out. <laughs> He's a very good player and consistently puts opponents to the test, definitely playing for the win. So in this hand, the big stack bullies on the button and opens for 2.5. Uh, Captain Walleye looks down at 10-10 and decides to 3-bet to 8.5 in hopes to get the big blind heads up for all of their chips. And that sizing would put the big blind all in um, were they to continue, just aside. Uh, unfortunately, that plan fails because the big blind folds and the button shoves all in to put uh, my tournament stake, tournament life at stake. So it's a huge bet to call, uh, 40.7 big blinds. And because Captain Walleye has six times the amount of chips as the short stack um, and should be e easily able to coast to at least a second place finish, uh, he wonders what, what should his action be. The pay jump is significant. It's $900. So first place wins $4,800. Second place wins $3,200. And third place wins $2,300. So we've locked up $2,300, but there's a $900 pay jump if they are not the next person to be eliminated. So the last uh, thing that Captain Walleye says is they really feel like they're ahead, but if they are, it's probably a flip. And do they really want to flip for $900? If someone out there is an ICM guru, can you break down the numbers for this spot, collar fold? And I think it's, it's probably true that um, even an aggressive opponent, you know, is going to be doing that with a lot of two over cards there. So I do feel like he's on, he's on to something there when he comes to, is it worth the flip? for $900. So we get a few people posting in the uh, forum to respond to this. We get Steve Fredland, the man himself, uh, ARW, one of my favorite uh, forum posters, um, Taylor Moss, some guy we've heard of, um, Binkley, another one of the regulars, 
And uh, let me see, even got, I'm a Luigi, uh, another one of the regulars there in the forum. So we've got lots of people with attitudes and info. Um, what do we think here, folks, coming into this spot? So I'll start because I, I ran this in ICMizer, um, and this assumes that sort of our button villain um, is doing this at sort of, you know, Nash. And they're like, at the perfect play here, they should be shoving this amount of hands. Um, and basically the response is with tens, we should be folding. Um, and that's because we have such a small um, stack to our left. Uh, and it's such a massive pay jump that it's just, it's not worth it. Uh, we're behind enough. Um, and and to be honest, you know, I this even though that he's, he characterizes this villain as somebody who is very active and in a lot of pots. Um, it's uh, it's a rare villain who is going to be uh, shoving as much as your Nash would even say you're supposed to. Um, I mean that that it's it's most aces, uh, some portion of most aces. It's some portion of your suited kings down to like king three and king four suited. Um, you know, all your pairs down to pocket deuces. There's some some semblance of, of your range that should be shoving in this spot um, as that massive chip leader. So, and I'm not sure that, you know, you've, that your average ACR player is even doing that level of shoving um, in this spot. And that I think it makes it for me even more of a fold, but, but to go to back up my take before I sort of turn it over is that this is exactly why, even though it's painful when we have this sort of big stack bully at our table and we want to sort of like teach him a lesson and keep him in line and whatever those kind of things are. This is the exact spot where we need to be flatting. Um, and it, you know, it allows big blind to potentially come in uh, if they, uh, if they shove here, uh, we have, and that will probably change the dynamic here. We have a very happy call against that, against a big blind shove. Um, but it also allows us to get to a flop um, against villain um, much more uh, easily with our probably better hand. So that's my take. Yeah, I, I think you brought up a lot of good points, uh, one of which is just flatting. And I think we can probably talk about that later. I'll probably just focus on the, hey, do we call in this spot right away? Because I think it's that's very much an interesting uh, decision. And um, you ran the numbers with Nash to figure out what we should be doing. But just to put ICM in consideration for everyone, our good uh, Steve Fredlin ran the numbers and posted it out there. So if we talk about our ICM value, where we're currently at, we started the hand with about 3,600 in uh, ICM value. So if you, know, if you played this out you know, a thousand times, on average, you'd end up winning about 3,600. Um, if we take the line of fold to the shove, uh, our ICM value dips down and goes down to 3,500. But I think what the important pieces are uh, in terms of when we play this hand is if we win, uh, if, if we call and win, our ICM goes up to about 4150. If we call and lose, uh, you get knocked out and you go down to 2300. So from that aspect, just running those numbers and how often do you have to win this hand to break even ICM wise, uh, even though we've put in, I think it's what, like eight and a half big blinds and we've only got a stack of uh, we had a stack of 50. So, you know, you do the chip math and you're like, hey, you have to win 38% of the time to break even. 
uh, from an ICM perspective, we need to win 64% of the time to break even from an ICM consideration. So that just really shows the gravity of the situation where um, when we're in this spot, and those ICM differences are massive. Like it, it puts tough decisions when big stacks put us into tough spots. So that's the biggest thing that like drives how tight we should be playing in this spot. Um, so with that said, um, Captain Walleye had some very important pieces of information, I think, and just kind of that stuff that uh, Jim was starting off by reading. Uh, so the big stack has a bunch of chips They've been running over the table. They've been knocking out people and they've been playing a lot. Uh, he thinks he's a good player and constantly putting his opponents to the test, which I think gives some credence to uh, how they're playing in this exact spot. Um, if we know that, I think we can widen our calling range slightly. Um, but even with that, like tens is still like on the edge in terms of how I view it. Uh, the numbers that, Chris ran and showed before tens were just barely a fold. Uh, you were losing like a tenth of a percent in terms of value in that spot. Um, to me, that kind of shows that we can maybe call here. It doesn't feel good uh, given this exact spot. I'm probably, probably calling, uh, but it, it's a really, really tough decision to be making. And I don't know if anyone else has thoughts around the, the call or fold. Um, but if they don't, we should, uh, talk about the flat a little bit later too. Yeah. So. I, I have a couple thoughts. Um, in general, three handed, I do like re-raising three betting and having, having a heads up, go to the flop because why, why share your equity with a third person? But the big blind stack is so small mm. that it, it makes sense in this situation to flat and not allow this guy to bully you out of the pot and be able to see a flop with your tens. Yeah, I think uh, just speaking on that as well, if we're talking about whether to three bet or flat in position there, I think you also get a much better, you have a much better chance of getting the big blinds chips in when you flat because they have some incentive now to shove over that with some lighter hands. There's much more, you know, even if they have, if they have any fold equity at all, there's a pretty good pot out there for, their, for them to basically double up. And uh, uh, I think they're just folding all the time when you, when you make them to choose between calling or folding. Um, but they might elect to shove instead if you, if you flat there. Um, similarly, so I think uh, Binkley makes a great point in the forum should we be discounting the top of the button's range when they shove uh, instead of making a smaller bet? Like, do you think that they make a smaller uh, re-raise with the nuts, aces, and kings because they want to get action? I mean, obviously, we have a folding range if, if we're in this conversation. Um, what do you guys think about either of those? Chris wants to jump in. I can tell just looking at him. Oh, or he's excited about something in the home game. <laughs> no, 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 no. I no. It's a really interesting question. I think this is really opponent dependent. But like, mm. if if our opponent is doing this to put us in these this kind of jail, they should be doing it with some of their premiums as well, so that they can hold up when called because they don't want to lose, you know, at least what is this forty percent of their stack. Mm -hmm. So they should have some of that value. But there are opponents where you can read this shove as, you know, that they're only shoulders high. They have no top of their range. 
Uh, and then that makes the tens. I think if you, if you know that your opponent is that kind of player, I think that makes that call a lot easier. I think yep. in this situation, I like what, what Jerry said when you're three handed like this, I think I three bet with my tens there expecting that big blind just to fold because he's going to be doing that with a very wide range just to try to take the blinds, right? That's, uh, that's what he's there to do. And so I, when he does come back over the top, that's when I get nervous and I would probably fold my tens there because I look, I'm looking at that short stack and I'm saying, I certainly don't want to go out before he does. And that's just not <laughs> yes. even, not even considering, you know, the actual ICM value. It's just a, a general feel that he is so short. I mean, he's less than five big blinds. Was that or less than 10? Uh, eight, eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Less than 10 big blinds. I mean, he's, he's not long for this world and that's a significant pay jump. So why, I mean, again, I would three bet expecting the, the other guy to fold. And when I, he doesn't I fold, I would, I would get out of there. So sorry, so Rob, so we're talking about it's a value three bet against the opening range, but it's Correct. a fold against the continuing range that we raises in that point. Correct. Yep. yep. Correct. I think it's a definitely a fold there. If if the big blind was more even stacked with you, you might consider calling given his wider range. But you know, I I always have to sit down and go through the ICM math. But in game, just seeing that short stack there, you know, you know, you have to fold there to. Mm -hmm. to not it'd be terrible to bust yeah you don't you don't have to get into this specific math all you have to do is look at the size of that stack <laughs> and say okay yeah it's, this is a no-brainer <laughs> so then are there other holdings that we could have here that would make this a better candidate for that three bet then because i i always find myself in these spots where i've got this thin value hand that i think you know <clears throat> shouldn't I be kind of just preserving my equity here a little bit? Like, wouldn't I be better off making a bluff three bet, like a more polarized three betting range than a, an actual linear range here with hands that I would normally continue in this. And like, what would, what would be a good way to, to, to round that out? Um, like some, some blocker, some, some base given, rig garbage. Given the situation we're we're handcuffed. I, I just don't think we have the ability to do a lot of that which really dictates like why we should be flatting in this spot. But like our number one goal when we're in this spot is just wait for that other person to bust out and then play heads up. There's not too much we can do uh, to really switch the tides on that uh, big stack unless we double up through them and then can like, apply pressure to them. So we're a full double up away from being able to apply pressure back on them, but they're currently in a spot where they can very easily apply pressure to us. Um, Cause their general game plan should be, if we decide to three bet them, just call play in position mm -hmm. and wait for spots where they can apply pressure to us. Uh, so when that is their like targeted outcome, we shouldn't really play into that. I mean, we, we, we're handcuffed. Like ICM just dictates that we should not be playing many hands here. And, right. and pocket tens feels like it's even just not a great choice for that in that case, because it's, it's playability goes down a lot 
um, if that's the attitude that you're trying to take. Because if, if they are going to call in position with a lot of hands, there's just not a lot of flops that you really love with pocket tens. Um, there's just so think, many overcards. Yeah, go ahead, I think Jerry. you can three, I'm sorry. No, no, I think you could, you, you could use tens as a three bet fold. So you, you fold to a four bet shove. Yep. Yep. Um, and the, I, I think I agree with everything Taylor's saying about limiting your hands and the, and the spot in the small blind with, with the ICM implications, but you still got to play. And I would look at, I mean, tens would be the bottom of my range for three betting. Definitely jacks, queens, kings, aces, ace, jack suited, um, and ace, queen off and up. I would probably three bet and really have a very limited calling a four bet shove. But, but I, I, I think it's reasonable to at least pre-flop to raise with the tens. And so what's, and just, let's just go a little further with that then. So obviously you're calling the shove with aces and kings. Um, mm -hmm. where, where do you have a, a natural sense of, do you have like an absolute sense of what hands you would continue with in that spot? Or is it more just according to the spot? And uh, like, do you have some rules or is it more just like how I feel in that moment? It's according to the spot, according to the player. Um, I, I'm obviously calling with aces, kings, ace, king suited, probably. Uh, I'm probably folding queens with the ICM there um, to a four bet shove. I don't know what you guys think. That's, that's the line for me is that sort of like jacks, queens, ace, queen suited. You know, those are the hands that, those are the hands that you're just, you're, you're, you're almost always behind. Like you just don't have great equity with the hands that they are continuing with when they're not bluffing. Um, so yeah, it just seems like you're begging to get in ace queen versus ace king or pocket queens versus kings or something like that. Yeah, Chris. Well, and this just shows why, uh, why the button is so incentivized to do this with such a wide amount of holdings and why, why I think we're incentivized to flat with almost, you know, all except the, very top of our range and really we're playing we're playing you know the kind of poker we're told not to play the kind of poker that you're told all the time that you you know you, you you can't just play abc poker you can't just wait for aces and kings but when we've got this shorty to our left we've just we've got to wait them out and like i'm 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 flatting queens here um i'm 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 flatting ace queen suited i'm flatting queens um, I'm three betting aces and kings and probably ace king. And Chris, just if I can paraphrase a little, um, part of the reason you're doing that is because you're, you're, you're basically going to even, you're going to be getting away from one pair of hands here, essentially like, uh, yeah, I mean, facing I, the action or, 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 or we're going to, we're going to get post flop and the dynamics going to change, um, enough that, that, you know, that's going to change things versus like having to put all my chips in on a, you know, on a, you know, like a, a, a hand where I could be really in a lot of trouble and I just can't lose this hand. I cannot, I cannot yeah. bust here. I do like but, the, uh, there's definitely something to this. We're actually just going to give up some EV here by playing this mm -hmm. passively and playing it kind of face up because the ICM is, is such a factor. Is yeah. that sort I mean, of, that's my, I could be really wrong, but that's how I approach this kind of spot. Cause like, and the other thing that, that I get into trouble with 
is I see this person who's being the, the table bully and they've just knocked out three, you know, we were at six handed, now we're three handed. And this person has all the chips. They're knocking out everybody. They're playing every hand. I got to put a stop to this. I got to take a stand. I got to, right. you know, all these kind of things. Well, that is absolutely what I cannot be doing. I have to let them just bust the short stack and collect my $900 and then I'll try to <laughs> take them on then. John, hey, did you hey, want to jump Chris? in here? Yeah. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, I kind of like the idea of doing the flatting and kind of keeping the pot small. Because as long as you keep the pot small, you can be a little sticky after the flop. So the overcards don't necessarily need to scare you. You still do have 40 big blinds. That's a reasonable stack. And it would be really nice if you could get closer to even before you get heads up. So I don't really want to just sit there and fold. Um, but it, it's really going to be player dependent. The, the dynamic of the game changes hugely from six-handed to three-handed and hugely again from three-handed to heads up. So you really have to kind of evaluate what the, your opponent is going to do. If, if they're the type of opponent who likes to four-bet a lot, then maybe don't three-bet as much. You know, if, if, try to do something that's going to throw them off balance and you can usually figure something out if you play against the player try a few different things and see what what works can I ask a question chris um i i agree with you in in some regards about the flatting because the big blinds chip stack is so small it's almost not not a factor how does that change for you if the big blind had 20 big blinds instead of 10. It would drastically change it for mm -hmm. me. Like, I mean, if, if this big blind doubles up somehow, either through me or through the chip leader, then uh, then I'm I'm definitely three betting this hand. Um, and I'm, I'm more willing to potentially go to the mat with it and go broke with it um, because it's not it's not such a done deal that this big blind is going to go. I mean, I, I'm still going to be careful. I'm not going to, you know, just go crazy, but there's such a big difference between eight big blinds and 20 big blinds. They're just, they're just, they're going to go out or they, they have to double up or go out. So, you know, so soon. And, and it's so worth it to wait them out at this point that, that I, I'm going to. And, and, and we don't talk about this all the time, but the fact is that those orbits go by a lot faster now too, uh, three-handed. And the ante is going to be a lot bigger. So, you know, it's not like you've got eight and a half big blinds and you've got a chance to wait for the next 30 hands to go by. That's not an option anymore. So they are going to get in a spot where, you know, their their shoving range is going to get thinner and thinner too. So um, when they when they double up, that that really changes. That really changes the, the calculus there. So I guess what, what we're, where we're getting um, one rule, I guess we can take out of this, because you know me, I love rules, um, is that in Captain Walleye's position here, you're really, this panel would advocate playing it with a pretty face up, tight value-y range, whether you're calling or three betting here, is that right? And, and just kind of sort of saying, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I got a strong hand here and um, I'll, I'll play poker with you after this guy busts. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, is, is that it? Is that basically it? Or are we just not getting out of line here? So it's just a question of where do you draw that? Is it jacks? Is it queens? Is it tens? Um, great. 
Well, hey, how nice is that? You don't find many spots in poker where there's a, uh, a simpler answer, but don't get out of line, out of position with a middle stack three-handed when ICM factors uh, are on the line. So that's one. That's one we can write in. So Captain Walleye, if that helps, I hope, uh, I hope it did. Um, any other final thoughts before we close this baby out? Well, I'd like to thank Captain Walleye for the post, Steve Fredland and ARW and Binkley uh, for their contributions and I'm a Luigi. I'd like to thank uh, Jerry for joining us and go to rec.poker slash Jerry Cuniff and see a little more, learn a little more about Jerry. Um, Jerry's got some products in the shop where he can help you work on uh, your own hand ranging and stuff like that. Uh, go to the Wrecking Crew page and take a look at everybody's um, offerings and our little bios. There's lots of fun you can have on the Wrecking Crew page. So go check that out. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Running Aces, Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, Website, Amp, Learn Pro Poker, and this wonderful panel for hanging out with me this week and talking poker. Thanks, guys. See you next Saturday.